Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm right here, boss, man. I got this, yeah. This is episode nine with many more to come. First, we're going to start off with uh, a little news that's going on with our group. For starters, Kobe went against me and Parker last week, lost the Malort bet. The thing is, this alcohol is so garbage that he couldn't find it anywhere. It was not for a lack of effort. It was more for the fact that no one even bothered carrying it. So I, I picked up. Uh, when I went and looked for that. For yeah, me. I bet. I bet. They're like, what the hell are you They're doing? Like, thinking it's from the Basque region in Spain. And I got a guy who used to live in Spain. He was telling me all about it. It was, it was quite the uh, mad dash search that I was on, but uh, no luck. Uh, you far. probably were the only one to ask. But so wasn't from a lack of trying. Luckily for us, Danny's got the in over in Austin. So we're going to figure out a way to get him a bottle. And then everyone else is going to have a bottle on deck. So if they fuck up and take a hot take, they will absolutely pay for it, no doubt. So no malort. We'll touch on that fight later, though. No more yet. No more yet, but it's coming. We're looking for the uh, Adesanya-Costa pay-per-view fight to maybe punish Kobe. There will be some Malort flowing that week. And if any of our listeners have a uh, Malort plug, feel free to reach out in our DMs. We are looking yes. for large quantities of Jepson's Malort. And shameless plug, at AnklePickPod over on Twitter, so you can slide into those DMs, give us some suggestions, and also hook us up with your Malort guy. Segwaying in, rough betting night for Danny and I. I went down five units on the main event. Frankie's upset really screwed me over. Munoz, uh, we'll talk about that one a little bit later because that's one we're going to go over. Danny had a butcherous night where it is honestly worth him drinking a whole bottle of Malort to forget. Down 12.85 units. Keep tracking us. We promise this was a hiccup. We're back on the winning track this week. It was a bad swing with that Munoz yeah. decision for me. I, I'm, no, I'm positive if, they, if that goes the other way, which is just it's, – it's tough how, how this sport works where you can win and the three idiots make you lose. Dude, I was hammered, and I still scored at 49-46 Munoz. And so even if – we'll get into it later because I'm going to go on a rant, and that's a later rant problem. Okay, so that's the initial ankle pick news. We've also had a little bit of role changes. Uh, our man, the man, the myth, the legend, the host, Max Shiner, he's moving to the peanut gallery of casuals with Parker and Kobe. They'll uh, fight out for their opinions in the aggregate. He's still going to attend the main event challenge. He's also going to take uh, – Hopefully it'll over. help him in, in scoring yeah. a main event. Well, don't worry. I'm also going to keep these analysts in check with uh, some consistency and making sure these guys are held in line. But uh... That too. You'll, you'll be hearing his voice. Don't worry about it. So that's it for us. Moving on to last week recap. So we're looking into the prelims first. There's a pretty slow card overall. A lot of COVID issues. Um, OSP's gone. There were a couple other fights scratched. I don't know if it was from COVID, but a lot of last-second switch-ups. One that we would be remiss not to talk about is the Trevin Jones fight. Danny, you were the one who's going off. I actually, I won't even lie, I missed this one. I got to rewatch it, but I missed it live, so I missed a little bit of the excitement. Danny, dive into this bad boy. Yeah, so this was um, another, another. this was the beginning to my rough night. 
I was on Valiev by decision here at a minus 130 clip. Valiev, in my opinion, looked like uh, the clearly the better martial artist. He looked super awesome on the feed. He was crazy dynamic in the first round. And I thought that when he when he landed that body but that body kick to the solar plex um, right away in that first round, I thought that the fight was over when Trevin Jones crumbled. And I thought that it was weird that the ref didn't stop it. And looking at that, I thought that the decision to stop the fight in the second one he did was super interesting as it kind of looked like Valiev was fighting back and kind of regaining his consciousness. It was interesting. Stop being a ref is the toughest sport in the, or toughest job in the sport for sure. This is the reason though, what got me into the fight, the fight game to begin with is the fact that when these two men or women, any given night, step into the ring, anyone can win. And we'll get to that later. Cause as, as uh, touched on one of the news stories, biggest underdog in UFC history catch this last weekend. So that's exciting news too. Great fight overall. Trevin Jones, I hope he doesn't get someone that's too big for him to handle next week or next fight night um, for him after this victory. Valiev, he'll bounce back. Not too worried about it. One more. So we're going to talk about the Lemos fight. We're also going to talk about the light heavyweight bout between Ike Villanueva and Jordan Wright. This one's interesting because Jordan Wright kind of blasted onto the scene. Younger guy. and Last-minute replacement. Last-minute replacement, and he was the smaller guy. It was He weighed in for a light heavyweight bout at 200 pounds. So five pounds under the, the weight class maximum, and he, he was talking in his post-fight about how he usually likes to fight around 185. So overall, great performance from him. Danny? I mentioned on, on last week's episode I was pretty big on Jorge Gonzalez, who was originally slated to fight Ike at the time. And I mentioned that that was purely just an Ike filling away of a fade. Uh, I think yeah. he's very much just a Corona fighter. I think that if Dana had access to his entire roster, this guy would never see the, the octagon. Uh, the I'm, the, I'm the Fade Ike train continues. No, I'm with you. I was also on the Fade Ike train. I didn't track it, but it was more of an entertainment bet for me. Uh, I took Jordan Wright. The thing is about Ike Villanueva, his, his skill set and his physical – might not be up to the level of, of where you need to be for the UFC. However, his toughness and his mental aspect of the game, absolutely there. For those who didn't watch this one, Jordan Wright hits a spinning wheel kick to the head. First strike of the fight. So for starters, you go, okay, what? how bad is Ike Villanueva's striking IQ? You get tagged that early, that quickly, with a strike that's that... I don't Blatant. want to say... That blade is as good a word as any. That that's that that is that telegraph. So so you're already starting to see that he's more of a guy who likes to stand in the pocket and brawl. So you saw that he gets into the clinch, stands in the pocket, and Jordan Wright just goes to town with with knees to the head. He's he has him in the tie clinch, which is both hands over the back of the neck, so you're controlling the head and the and the upper body, just weighing in with some vicious knees, and that actually ended by a doctor stoppage. Nasty, nasty. DI cut used one of the grosser cuts I've seen in a long time. Prelim main event for us. We're all going to touch on this one. Amanda Lemos versus Mizuki Ioni. This one's interesting. This was not only the Malort bet, but this was also the only bet of mine on the night that cashed. We'll start with the guys in the Malort bet. Kobe, what did you see in this one, and where did you go wrong? So I, where I went wrong is uh, trying to force – I feel like you laid a pretty good trap down for Parker last week. Those that listen, Parker and Reese are trying to find something to bet on. 
uh, put the Malort down on the table. And I kind of just stepped in. I took Vegas' side. I figured I'd take the value. And uh, I'd throw my hat in the ring for it and uh, fell right into your trap. Um, as far as the actual fight went, Lamoche was definitely the better fighter. She was putting combinations together, heavier fists for sure. And Anna kind of kept on calling during the fight. Anna was saying, like, that's what Mizuki does. She, she's just eating the, eating the punches, and she, she's staying on her feet and doing what she can. And he kind of kept saying, that's what she does. That's what she does. And then she kind of lost every round. So, like, yeah. uh, credit where credit's due. She ate a lot of heavy fists. But uh, that's that's not where the that's not how you win the fight. Yeah, to me, some of the things that people were talking about is who's the faster fighter, and I think obviously it's pretty apparent it was Lemos. Who would have the ground advantage? A lot of people thought Mizuki was going to take it to the ground, be able to control from the top, win on the scorecards. Again, Lemos had a beautiful judo throw. It was like an outside trip. I don't. I know Danny probably caught that. Mm-hmm. Controlled on the top for a while. Looked great on the ground. Parker rode Lemos with me. Yeah, what did you have to? Th- what did you think about that one? So I just want to mention to our uh, listeners, I did, didn't fall into Reese's trap. Um, I kind of backdoored that one and threw it to you because um, I wasn't going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. But I'm just glad in, in the next couple of weeks I'm not going to have to drink Malort. Yeah, it's definitely Kobe's loser. Shiner, Lemos, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, great fight. Only caught the end bit of that. Uh, was enjoying my Saturday out of the town of Chicago. <laughs> but um yeah i think definitely uh the much better fighter and excited to see where she goes from here i know mizuki coming out of uh sarah longo uh mma on out on long island is a tough l for her but looking to see where lamos goes from here yeah uh mizuki actually had aljo in her corner last week which is yeah. pretty cool to see i think that's her american camp when she's training here she has another camp back in japan that she also trains with. Yeah, Amanda Lemos, you know, she she busted on this scene, but she looks sharp. You know, people are going to say Mizuki Aoni, easy fight, looks slow, got tagged on the feet, but Amanda Lemos looked really well-rounded. And I'm, I honestly am really excited, kind of like what uh, Max just said, is to see where she goes from here. So getting to the main card, we're looking, we got five fights. We'll, we'll breeze through them pretty quickly because we got a lot of cover today, but there's one that we would be foolish not to talk about. That's Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant. Getting into the main event or the main card from last week, we're going to start off with Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant. That fight went interesting. I know a lot of our panel agreed on that one. Danny, start us off on the main card opener. Yeah, I mean, what a fun round or a fun half round. It was, uh, they were trading right from the start. Um, There was a lot at the beginning of the fight, I really thought Dwight was going to take it, and Daniel Rodriguez kind of just gritted it out and threw the heavier punches. It was a, such a fun fight. That was one that shocked me, actually, was the line on that one because I was looking at potential value spots, and when I made the line, I had a lot closer to, you know, the 130 range for Daniel Rodriguez. Seeing him all the way up in the minus 200s, Dwight Grant seemed like a potential value play to me. That would later prove wrong. Peanut Gallery. Let's start with Shiner. Shiner, anything on this main card starter? Yeah, I mean, great fight. Only caught a little bit of it. But, yeah, I mean, anything that's capped to start off a main card with a, just a, a brutal knockout, love to see that always. Gets the, uh, gets the juices flowing a little bit. Yeah, and it really shows you that power that, that Daniel Rodriguez has because he's some guy who can not only beat you at range, but he also packs such a massive power from from close in brawls as well so he doesn't need to use that size because Dwight Grant's a guy who's a lot longer and lengthier than most people reminds me a lot of like a Kevin Holland 
just a very long guy. So seeing him fight a guy like Daniel Rodriguez, who you who relies more on his power and his striking, it was interesting to see how that was going to match up. We're going to touch quickly on this women's flyweight. We're also going to dive back in on, on our new segment because Shauna Dobson was the biggest underdog to cash in UFC history. That is a you, we saw history last week. Danny, I'm going to let you you're going to be the only one to touch it on this one because you actually laid it. The the way that I saw this one. It was a 50-50 shot whether I, – I, I thought that I thought that Agapova was going to dominate. I thought it would be a 50-50 shot whether she gets the sub or she finishes via ground and pound. Uh, I, I took Agapova by sub at a plus 140 clip, and as we saw, that didn't work out. Um, Agapova came out with one of the worst game plans I've ever seen in my life. She has absolutely zero fight IQ. She gassed herself out with all those punches right away that just were useless and almost none of them landed. and. By round two, she was just completely done. Danny, do you think that's from her being 23, a fast up-and-comer, and really thinking that she could easily dominate this fight? Or do you really think this is something that could last moving forward? I haven't watched, honestly, a ton of her fights. This wasn't one that I taped super closely because of the ridiculous line. Seen Shannon Dobson fight enough to know that this was a ridiculous, ridiculous upset. But I, I, I do think that you're right, that kind of the moment was too big for her and that she thought that this was going to be an easy night at the office and because of that lacked a good game plan. And when you look at a girl like Shauna Dobson, who came into that fight at sub 500, three and four in her MMA career, I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of Invicta fighters that would beat Shauna Dobson. I'm very confident she's not the cream of the crop. It was just one of those opportunities where someone came in overconfident with a bad game plan lacks the fight iq to fix it when things go awry and upsets happen that's what's amazing about this sport and speaking of that upset reese i know you talked about this being the number one uh upset in ufc history so in terms of opening lines uh this opened at plus 800 i believe um in terms of dobson so that would be the second uh biggest underdog to ever uh score a victory in the ufc but my unofficial um, research has stated that Dobson did close at a plus 1150 on one book in Vegas, meaning that that oh would God. be the largest yeah. upset in UFC history. Absolutely. 1150 is massive. And I saw even when I was like kind of digging deeper to see where I was going to take, where I was going to take the other side, as far as props go with Agapova Dobson win by TKO KO 20 to one on five dimes, wow. which is, I mean, just a ridiculous line for a TKO that ended up coming right. I, I bet next to no one laid that, but if there's a lucky son of a bitch out there who did, congratulations. Okay, we have to touch on this one too. Austin Hubbard versus Joe Selecki. Joe Selecki came in, in it as a dog, and that was actually DK MMA Capper's only win on this a wonderful night. Danny? This was a fun one for me, but I know Shiner wanted to take the lead here. Yeah, so, I mean, interesting uh, coming in, Austin Hubbard, uh, his last fight with the win over Max Roshkoff, who uh, was the fighter at the end of the second round. He told his coaches to throw in the towel and uh, has subsequently been released from the UFC. So, interesting to see how that works in terms of uh, the level of competition that Hubbard came in with. But Joe Selecki, a guy I saw in Dana White's Contender Series, who has a ridiculous backpack style of jiu-jitsu i was able to withstand some early pressure from hubbard and to uh take the one take the victory uh by rear naked choke i really like selecki i think he definitely um has a little bit more game to uh to become a little bit more well-rounded i think i really like his bjj skills as well as his takedown skills but um excited to see how he evolves as a striker and uh just as a contender in the lightweight division i'm very excited on joe selecki 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Reese, Reese mentioned this was my only win of the night. Um, I just played Joe Selecki straight. Um, as Max was just getting into, even in that Roshkoff fight, um, Austin Hubbard was cut, getting put on his back. He was getting taken down at will in the first two rounds before Max gave up and after, before he got tagged a bunch and realized the sport wasn't for him. I've been watching UFC for or MMA in general for. Well, I don't know. So I, don't mean, I don't know if he was like, I want to be done, but I think it was more. He was getting his ass whooped, and there was there was no good place for him to go in that fight. Yeah. I mean, we could debate this all day, but I actually enjoy what he did because that's going to lengthen his career one day, I think. But I strongly, as we'll talk about I, Anthony Smith tonight. No, I strongly, strongly agree with you. That's actually a great topic to tag in on one day about corners as a whole. They get a lot of pressure for not throwing it in. So you can look at that one way or another, whether that showed that he doesn't want anything to do with this sport or if he was just looking to preserve his career and get better. He really didn't have any way out. Selecki's definitely got to watch, closing at a plus line there. So everyone listening to this pod, continuing to track Selecki's career, will probably be on top of it as well. And a lot of submission, submission props as well for Selecki could be a place to make, especially as he still sure. stays under the radar a little bit. For sure. The other thing, too, about, though, is Austin Hubbard, even though his first win obviously was notable for that reason, he really – He's not super polished yet, but he's also a name that I actually think he'll be around in the UFC for a little while too, which makes this win just that much more impressive. Um, the Mike Rodriguez versus Marcin Pracnico, that was an interesting fight. Ended pretty quickly. A lot of uh, finishes on this main card. Kobe, I know you were really excited about this one. This one was a fun finish for sure. It was, uh, it was pretty clean all the way through. Mike Rodriguez left himself open a little bit, left himself a little bit vulnerable early in the round but uh, obviously finished it pretty quickly. I, so he, he, he made kind of his – made his hay with the uh, the knees to the tor- upper torso and to the head. Um, is there a measurement that's like proportional leg length to height ratio? Because I feel like Mike Rodriguez got like the longest legs and particularly the longest mm-hmm. thighs because he got his knees up so fucking high. Yeah. And it was, I mean, that, that was the key differentiator in the fight because he hit him with a couple knees to the upper torso and the face – got a couple elbows in, and then got him with one straight left, and he was out quick. So, Kobe, it's not question. exactly what you're looking for, but it's something that you see correlate with reach. Um, I think I mentioned last week that Mike Rodriguez is a guy who, in all weight divisions of the UFC, he's second behind John Jones at having the longest reach. And so that comes with pretty long legs as well. Well, they manage – so they manage when – they, when you look at the reach stat – when they're doing the the breakdown of the fighters, you're looking at reach, obviously, wingspan. They also have advanced stats for leg reach, and it's actually called leg reach and kicking range, and, and they measure from your hip down to your toe. So it's it's interesting to see how long a lot of these guys' legs have. I remember, I think two cards ago, it was a bantamweight fight where each – oh, do you know what it was? That Marlon Vera fight. I don't know if it was them or on that card, but they had longer – legs than Steve Miocic does, which is just crazy. They were talking about it. So leg reach is definitely an advantage. Mike Rodriguez is one of those guys who I know him at with his with his lankiness, really good elbows and knees. Like his Muay Thai is phenomenal just from how long and, and lanky he is. But this fight was definitely one to remember. He he showed up. I remember he had a tough, tough quick loss last time out to Da Un Jung, but I also remember fading him against Devin Clark a while back. So he's 
he's definitely got some ways to work, but his length is really working for him. Main event time, the fight that we all really need to talk about because a lot of units were lost in this group here. Pedro Munoz versus Frankie Edgar. Questionable decision by many. Whatever substance the judges were on, they need to share with everybody else because that, to me, was blasphemous. Who wants to start on this one? Because I have a rant and a half. This was the big swing bet of the night. Um, I had one on the one on or two units on the inside of the distance, and then three units on Munoz straight up. It ended up being um, an eleven unit, a little bit more risk overall. Um, so this one was just brutal for me, as you alluded to. The decision was a little bit controversial. Um, I, Munoz touched in his post-fight interview that. He wants a he wants a fair rematch, and he wants um, regulation in these in these judging. Yeah, I mean, going off that, Danny. Interesting enough that Munoz actually, if you were to aggregate all three judges' score, scorecards, uh, which I believe should be a way to analyze these fights, he actually still was the winner in this. If you were to aggregate all three scorecards, uh, because what of the do you mean? Four, well, in terms of. So Munoz won one judge's scorecard, 49-46, meaning he was up three in differential points. And I know sure. this isn't the way it works, but simply just for oh, analysis. Okay. The, other two, the other two judges with the 48-47, technically Munoz still had one more point than Edgar. But looking back on this fight, definitely very, very close. I know round three was one that uh, is really kind of what's under contention right now in terms of who won that one. Moving forward, I think Munoz is a guy who definitely – Still in the mix. Um, I did see him with a, a great knockout in Chicago uh, last summer and a, definitely a really exciting fighter, but someone who really, if he doesn't get you get that kind of early finish, he's not like the best stand and stand and kind of throw uh, striker. I think he's really just kind of a one punch knockout artist and Frankie showed that he had the movement and the ability in the later rounds uh, to get it done. And I, I'm interested to talk about, I know Reese, you got your rant, but uh, where both fighters go from here. I know it's a big yeah. setback for Munoz, and who knows where Edgar goes from here as well. Well, it's just hard to label Munoz a guy just because they're fighting at 135 to as a guy who just relies on his knockout power. To me, again, pretty drunk. Watched the fight. Scored at 49 and 46 Munoz. Then sobered up a little bit. Watched it two more times. Still had 49-46 Munoz. I gave Frankie the second. But then when I was diving even deeper to go, you know what? Maybe the judges had an off night. Maybe one of them also had a little too much to drink. You could maybe, maybe give the fourth round to Edgar. Maybe. But even still, 48-47. So this one was really puzzling to me. Absolutely screwed my night of betting. I, I don't want to I, I don't I want to pretend like I'm not biased. It could have been. I would love to hear other people's inputs on how they scored this. I just Munoz won in total strikes. He absolutely won in octagon control. He was pushing the pace the entire time. He also won in significant strikes. And Frank Yeager only landed two of eight takedowns that he got very little done on. So, to me, it reminds me a lot of the Derek Brunson versus Anderson Silva fight, where I scored the fight 30-27 every single time I watched for Derek Brunson. Somehow, some way, the judges gave it to Anderson Silva because there's a natural bias that everyone has. And so I wonder a lot that if you're watching a guy that you grew up liking or if you're an MMA fan, you're like, oh, I love Frankie, if you're going to see it differently. Like, I would have seen it differently because I had money on Munoz. I definitely was pissed, definitely ruined my night. Would love to hear other people's opinions on on the scoring on this one or just another thing that is just the judges as a whole. 
Well, Reese, this is funny. I mean, I don't, I'm not at the level of the analytics, especially in the gambling side, to understand which way judges go. But it's funny enough, I know a couple judges' names, and two of the main judges' names that I knew were actually the guys on this card, Sal D'Amato, Derek Cleary. So maybe yep. we need to start opening up, uh, and I think Kobe would spearhead this, maybe an analytics department based off of uh, judges and leg length versus height, that <laughs> ratio as well. Well, what's so interesting, and, and the thing that pisses me off is these, I would love if you had a guy like Dominic Cruz or or Joe Rogan or Paul Felder. I know they're in the commentary booth, but the guys who have actually, and even Joe Rogan's a little bit of a stretch, but Paul Felder, Dominic Cruz, they have high fight IQ. They know the game inside and out. These judges, half the time, are boxing judges that the commission just put on the UFC card. And so, yeah, there's yeah. such, and there's such a great line where it's like, okay, so he took him down for three seconds. Is is he is does that dictate enough? Or if he stops, I remember I was having an issue in the, the Dobson fight because he shot for 20 takedowns and landed two of them, but because of the aggression, the judges gave it to him. It's interesting because to me, Dobson's Dobson completely took out his game plan. It's just interesting. It's hard to really judge. I just this one to me was really clear and cut, and so I was pretty upset with how that one went but if we continue to get bogged down on this one you guys are going to be hearing us for hours so we're going to keep yeah, i'm curious here one thing about yeah. where these guys go in the division bantamweight is stacked i know frankie might not get the love that um he once did as the lightweight champion in the ufc but i mean he did win this fight and does have to have an, an, another big fight coming up any names you guys have in mind for him to take on next well, so he well, jumped – this was his bantamweight debut, um, and he did jump into the top five after being non-ranked. And so wow. looking around there, it's – a fun fight might be giving him Aldo. I, I would love to see Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar. I think Jose smokes him, though. I think. I agree. What about What about Sean O'Malley? I mean, I know there's a lot more names, but Sean O'Malley, guys coming up, needs a name to kind of use as that leapfrog. That an interesting fight, I think. I just yeah. don't see them booking it. Me neither. Or Cheeto. Or Cheeto. I think that gotta work up a little more. I think that the UFC putting him in the top five says a lot about who they want to match him up with. Do you know who else kind of got crunched just for losing one fight? That's a little bit of BS. Is Don Cruz? He's sitting all the way down to eleven. I'd like to see Don Cruz Edgar as well. That'd be a nice. Yeah. Fight. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've been hearing hearing rumors about that. Yeah, it'll give some of the vets a chance. I'm not too interested in seeing like a. Cody Stamen versus Frankie Yeager fight. That doesn't get me out of bed in the morning. I mean, it does, but you know what I'm saying. Um, any UFC fight gets me out of bed in the morning. What are we talking about? Transitioning from last week's card, we're going to move into news stories we want to touch on. We all kind of aggregated and found some stuff that we really jumped off the page at us. Starting, Dustin Poirier versus Tony Ferguson was announced. That fight is beyond interesting and really dictates who probably gets the next crack, to, crack at the title. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, that, that one jumps off the page at me. I mean... I know we talk about Paulo versus Izzy a lot, but this one screams fight of the year. Uh, two very explosive, very dangerous guys. Two guys that have been at the top of the lightweight, the most dangerous division in mixed martial arts for who knows how long. Uh, you definitely mentioned, or you mentioned that it's probably the next guy who's in line for the winner of Khabib versus Justin. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm expecting them to book it on the same card and have one of those guys be the re replacement fighter if need be. Who do you, who do you like in that one? I think t there's obviously with Tony, there's always the chance for a weird submission. But 
I think similarly to Gaethje, Dustin has just elite boxing for this lightweight division. Yeah, I mean, I like Tony in this one, actually, Danny, to combat you. Maybe you have a Malort bet on this, but A, incredibly biased in this one. I ran into Tony Ferguson in the elevator in the Park MGM <laughs> prior to UFC 248. At the Park MGM, great spa. Check it out. Great steam room, sponsored by uh, Sean White. But, yeah, so I talked to Tony about fighting in Chicago, his victory over Cowboy Cerrone, and it really fired me up. I know he's coming off the L uh, against Gaethje, and we'll see how he looks and how he acts. I know this fight, guys, is not official yet, but the pace that Tony Ferguson fights at, Dustin, I mean, he did it against Max Holloway, but Tony's a much sharper striker at that pace and someone who could completely jump off the page and jump off the canvas with that, with his athleticism, which I believe might be the most elite in the UFC. I'm really excited for this fight. I hope it happens because it still is unofficial, but looking forward to it. See, that's interesting to me because I look at this fight. I'm, I'm hoping Tony wins. I would love to see that Tony Habib that they've been dangling in front of my face for 10 years. But when I, when I do look at striking, I think it would go very similar to how Gaethje um, Ferguson went. I think it would be Poirier putting on somewhat of a striking clinic, even though Ferguson does fight at a crazy pace. He's more of a type of guy that gets you with strikes out of nowhere and his up paid, upbeat random striking that he throws you because he's got the most unique style in MMA, I think. He's just an absolute goon. If it does go to the ground, that's where you'll see Tony having a little bit of an edge. He'll have – he definitely has a submission edge. As far as wrestling goes, Poirier has demonstrated some in, the, some in the past, but he definitely prefers to say striking. So this fight this fight really will be dictated by where it goes, but I'm kind of leaning towards Danny. I know there's no line out yet, but that's going to be an interesting one for sure. And, and like you were uh, alluding to, or I guess what I was saying, and with you talking about the – Ferguson Khabib match that has been canceled forever. If they do book this Poirier Tony fight as the co-main for the Khabib Justin, it'll be the second time in UFC history that Tony and Khabib have shared an octagon, but not with each other. <laughs> it's just insane. <laughs> it's in front of our face. Okay, so we've already touched. Uh, one thing we all wanted to highlight was that Dobson. Dobson was actually the biggest underdog to cash in UFC history based on Shiner's glorious research line aljo sterling and peter Jan got announced as the next title about now i there were in quotes that pretty much to be the next title fight so it's definitely in dana's mind thoughts on that one? yeah i don't know why dana hasn't stepped up and given aljo That's his recognition it's uh definitely interesting i mean he looked amazing in the san Diego fight it's a guy who's been around a little bit as well in the ufc Definitely has, like, made his stamp in the division. And the guy who's very exciting and definitely a fan favorite. I'm definitely shocked in terms of the economic standpoint why Dana hasn't been kind of full-blown on this. But it is interesting to think, though, how much he holds Peter Jan in value in terms of him being so careful on picking his next opponent because I think they really see superstar potential from Jan. Personality-wise, I don't know if I see it, but Jan's definitely got something special, even the way that he just He's got personality. I think it's a language barrier, though, more so. I mean, no, if you ever watch I, any of the UFC countdown things, he's a, in Thailand, he's, a he's standard, got his family he's around. Just a stan- he's just like a standard shit talker, which I personally don't buy into. He's just that, not like a Kobe Covington, but he's just like, uh, he's playing into the Henry Cejudo cringe game where they just throw jarbs on Twitter. That doesn't really get me. I, I, a little bit. I mean, he's a young champion, though, so he's kind of learning how to do it. Yeah. I mean, Aljo, Aljo, people know Aljo, and he's exciting. He's a funk master. 
representing yeah. Jamaica. I feel like he, yeah, he should have gotten his recognition earlier. And Peter Jan has absolutely torn through these rankings. I mean, he blasted yeah. on the scene, was getting top 15 opponents right out the gate, annihilated all of them. He found a title shot pretty – he, I mean, he sniffed that belt out very fast. Well, it's interesting to see, though. I mean, this is a big, big fight because I know you say that, Reese, but his – Jan's last two fights are against what could be called wash-up contenders in Jose Aldo and in Uriah Faber. And this isn't a guy who's come through and knocked off – Yeah. I don't even count your right. This is a guy who hasn't knocked off Sanhagen and Aljo yet, and he hasn't really kind of gone through the ranks. The UFC kind of promoted him to be this champion. So, Danny, what are your thoughts on this one, too? Yeah, I think I'm definitely leading towards Piotr. In all honesty, it kind of reminds me of what we were just talking about with Dustin versus Tony. You've got Aljo, who's by far the more dynamic fighter and the more well-rounded guy. If this fight hits the mat, um, I see him having a, a pretty big advantage, but – Piotr is tough. Piotr hits hard, and Piotr is dynamic. I mean, what a fun group of strikers coming out of Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand between him, Valentina. I know Izzy's doing a bunch of work there for this upcoming yeah, fight. Yeah, I know. It's just a group of killers over there. Yeah. I mean, Peter Jan, though, I mean, yeah, between – other than Jimmy Rivera and Jose Aldo, I agree. His resume is a little thin. It's just – from what I've seen, even if they're washed up, they're still high-class fighters. And what I've seen is it's not a guy who edges out decisions like, as much as I hate to say it, Costa against Romero. It's a guy who absolutely dictated and dominated the entire fight. And so that, yeah, that but to me I think wild. also, though, and this could be also maybe a Malort bet coming our way uh, when this fight happens, but the definitely Jan looks like the better guy stand-up in the stand-up, no doubt about it. I mean, he looks like a, just an absolute stud Russian boxer. Great chin, moving forward, very kind of in, in his own kind of zone, and he dictates pace. But Aljo is a completely different type of animal than we've seen in Faber and Aldo, and even Jimmy Rivera, who, who are guys who are not one-dimensional, but you kind of know what they're going to do. Aljo can hit you with the kitchen sink. So definitely an exciting fight moving forward uh, for the Bantamweight title. That's interesting. Um, proceeding on, carrying on, last news story of the day. We'll cap it off. I added this one myself. Um, Costa Izzy shit talk is going down. Izzy brought up the fact that he thinks Costa has been ducking USADA and that he's roiding, and Costa didn't even deny it. He's like, yeah, they don't test me in Brazil, buddy. And so they're throwing jarbs. Then Costa comes back and says that he genuinely believes that he is going to murder. He didn't say beat. He used the exact phrase murder Costa on the 26th of September. And I hate to admit it, but I'm inclined to agree with him. Anything on that shine guy? They're going to test him, so that's great. <laughs> no, Have you ever seen uh, Blue Mountain him, State with the, with the fake penises? He's just going to get a fake horse cock. And yeah, tell that to Jeff Davitsky, the guy who caught Lance Armstrong. So uh, definitely excited to see Costa down about 50 pounds, those muscles deflated, and Izzy uh, picking him apart and knocking him out in the first round. Izzy will be flopping around like a striped bass in round one. Not the point. Proceeding on. We're going to carry on to this week before Shiner and I get off the Zoom and kick each other's ass in person. Moving forward, this week's card, exciting one. The main event is Anthony Smith, Lionheart versus Alexander Rackett. This fight is exciting. I'm excited to see it. Hey, Kobe, what's your name? What's the main event challenge status? Uh. That was weird. Um, ah, hey, I'm trying to mix it up for the boys. All the listeners. Up there, Reese. Uh, yeah, I got you. So... Last week, not our finest showing as a group. I'll put it that way. Um, 
you're never going to believe it, but your boy, Kobe, still finishing first place with seven points in the main event challenge last week. Danny and Max, T2 with six each. Parker barely got beat out in a solo fourth with five points. And Reese, I mean, to get two points, you have to pick one of the four fights right and not even get the method correct. And uh, that's where you ended up. As many nah, as, that, as Danny lost, our resident betting like, expert, question mark, finished with two points on the main event challenge. That's, that's why the main event challenge isn't a gambling challenge. It's true. It's also, not a gambling challenge. Just, yeah, Danny finished worse last week. <laughs> I don't I was think just so. letting everybody else catch up, dude. Pedro Munoz won, so changed my mind. And everything else was bullshit. And that's where we'll leave that one. Yeah, we're looking ahead anyways. Updated standings. Myself in first place with 64. Reese with 55, still holding second place. Danny in third with 52. Max with 47. And Parker, one week removed from chasing literally every pick, is sitting in a lonely fifth in with 41 points. We fucked Parker by giving him the lowest total, but he needs to pick up the pace. I not believe I'm still in second, but Kobe, you're distancing yourself from the pack. In I mean, you're up what eight on me, nine on me. That'd be nine. At a certain point, we're Jesus. gonna have to like reevaluate how casual I am if I'm just able to continue. Or just the or just the picking order, but we can get to that a different discussion. Yeah, I mean, as well. if you if you watch a single fight card all the way through, then I'll pull off your casual label. <laughs> all right, proceeding I on. I haven't, but. Whatever. Proceeding on. Proceeding well, on. Well, on the topic of Kobe, before we get into the main event challenge and our analysis of uh, this week's Smith versus Rockage fight card, uh, we do have the pronunciation of the week. Kobe, I believe you're, you're doing pretty well right now. I mean, we could keep this as an official log as well to, to, to track his uh, win percentage. But this week's pronunciation of the week in the middleweight division, uh, the third to final prelim fight, uh, Zach Cummings will be taking on, I believe, the Italian by the name of. You hit me spot on. I am quite the linguist, so uh, I do have a high standard for myself in these type of endeavors. Um, first name is Alessio. It's a separated last name. Alessio de, de, de Chirico. Gentlemen, Alessio de Chirico or de Chirico? I have no idea. I too have no idea. We'll give it to you on this one. Maybe, and we'll. I mean, I do know de Chirico. De Chirico. I feel like it, it depends on the like, pr- like the pronunciation depends on the emphasis of what part of the word you're saying, which is probably how language works in the first place. <laughs> Thank you, resident linguist Kobe Kork, for that one. What, whatever the result is, I'll, I'll, I'm happy with my pronunciation. So let's proceed on to the main event challenge. Since the pronunciation of the week, none of us could correct, so we're going to say he was right. Magomed Ankalekov versus Ian Kutalaba. This fight has happened before. Questionable stoppage. Dana yeah, said, this is a crazy first fight. I mean, Kutalaba was coming in, like, screaming at him before they even, like, touched gloves or Bruce Buffer announced them. He, like, ran and tried to, like, push him. But Kutalaba did get TKO'd about 38 seconds into the fight. Um, he claims that he was faking um, his kind of losing his balance that that was all kind of part of his ploy to land a crazy overhand i'm calling bs on that one but this is definitely an exciting fight and a great first fight of the main card yeah this line's a fatty too um so we'll start we'll just do main event challenge and then kind of i guess break down your thinking while you go who wants to take this one off the top danny because i know kobe and parker lean back for the aggregation yeah this is an interesting one uh as you mentioned this is 
the the rematch. Um, the first one was a particularly weird stoppage. Uh, Kudalaba came away from that screaming at the referee the second that it was called off. This is an interesting one. It should be a fun one, too. These guys are both killers. Kudalaba has a high propensity for starting fast. He's got a lot of first-round KOs and TKOs. Um, and Ankalaev in the last one, as we saw, put him out early. Um, if, if, he, if he wasn't doing a whole rope-a-dope situation, Ankalaev's a killer, and he's got crazy power. One thing I'm worried about here is Kudalaba can gas uh, when he starts fast. If he doesn't get that early KO as the fight continues, I see this being more Ankalaev's fight. I'm going to pick Kudalaba here. I think he's going to get the knockout. This is definitely not one I'm betting, but I think that both of y'all are going to be on Ankalaev, and I think that this is a good opportunity for an early KO. Interesting that you wouldn't bet this one, taking the plus 240 guy, and you feel pretty confident in the strikes. I am going with Ankalaev on this one. I don't think the first fight was a fluke. I think both guys are definitely very good fighters. Kutalaba's a guy who's going to drain himself out before the fight even starts, I think, especially that he also lost the first fight. So I will be going in Kalaev, and I will also go via strikes. This is an interesting one for me because I like Kutalaba a lot. I think he's got a lot of potential, but a lot of the same issues that you guys touched on as far as his gas tank questions me as well. So I also am going to go in Kalaev, and I'm going to take him by TKO KO, I think. I think he gets a yeah, I really do. Yeah. Aggregators, let's hear what you got to do. Parker, you go first because you're the one in last. And and we'll keep Kobe as a true aggregator. I'm going to go with the Hulk by strikes. That's both of them. They both named the Hulk. Oh, they're both ginormous ape-like men. Who's, who's nicknamed the Hulk? <laughs> Kutalaba is nicknamed oh. the Hulk. Oh, okay, let's Kutalaba. go, Park. They look like identical ginormous human so i didn't even okay cool he's he's in on it i'm gonna go with the the favorite ankaliyev uh i guess by strikes is there a number here on the over under because we saw we all seem to think this is gonna not hit the judges scorecards yeah let me get the over under over under one and a half minus 110 each way so i think that's a that's an interesting line now for the fight to end in the distance that's minus 280 I think the under one and a half is super interesting. Um, stay tuned at Ankle Pick Pod on whether or not I, I lay. But we're going to make some money this week. No, there's no doubt. I'm not getting two losing weeks in a row. At that point, I might as well become a eunuch. Moving forward. <laughs> I'm going to have to call you Varys Pulfer from now on. <laughs> Ricardo Lamas versus Bill Algio. I'll take this one first. I don't know shit about Algio. Lamas is from Chicago. Lama stub. I'm going to go. I'll go decision on this one. I'll go over Carter Lamas via decision. Yeah, so this one, Lamas was originally scheduled to fight Ryan Hall before Hall had to withdraw because of an injury. Lamas is a UFC veteran. He's faced the best of the best from Jose Aldo, Max Holloway, Mendez, Calvin Cater. I mean, the dude is, I mean, he's seen absolutely everything that the UFC has. Um, and this Bill Algio man, who's coming in on he short notice. He lost the Tuesday Night Contender Series, too. He was a loser. Right. He's coming in on short notice to make his UFC debut. He's only a plus 200 dog, though, so it's not as if, like, he's not getting any love from the, uh, the gambling community. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and that's what I'm saying. Um, similarly to what I mentioned about Ike Villanueva, this is a corona fighter. This is a guy who doesn't see the UFC roster if they have their full 
pool of athletes. Um, this is one I'm already on, actually, Lamas, just, uh, just the money line. I think that I'm, I'm for the main event challenge, I'm going Lamas by sub. I think that he's a better martial artist absolutely everywhere. Um, this is a fun one because, as you alluded to, the line is, is decently close for something that I see to not be so close. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to take Ricardo by decision. He's a vet. He's going to figure out how to get it done. I just, after his last couple outings and a couple embarrassing performances, although he has fought the best of the best, I don't really trust his ability to get it done anymore. But he definitely has the knowledge and the IQ and the experience to get a decision done. So I'm going to go Lamas by decision. Each of Lamas' last two wins have come by knockout. You guys are selling me on the fact that this is a Bill LGO is a Corona fighter. I'll take Lamas by strikes. Parker, you're the last one. What are you thinking? Uh, I'll go Lamos by decision. Okay. Lamos by decision. He's riding with the homie Quan. Moving on. Jiyun Kim versus Alexa Grasso. We'll you're up on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I'll, I'll ride this bad boy. Alexa Grasso. Easy decision for me. Big fan of hers. Great wrestling. And she also, in a really weird way, looks like that girl that sings that one song, Thank You, Next. I don't even know her name. Ariana Grande. Thank you. Yeah. Dude. Look at her in the face. She is a Ariana Grande looking fighter, and I'll always back that. Lexi Grasso, kind of hot. I'm going to take her by decision. This is the Ariana Grande podcast. Pro Ariana. It always has been, always will be. This is an interesting one. Um, GM Kim is the number 14 flyweight. Alexa Grasso, the number 14 strawweight. Uh, Grasso fighting up weight class. If it's at flyweight, and yeah, Grasso's going up to 25. She, yeah, she's going up to 25. I'm going to go Grasso. I'm going to go via submission. Yeah, um, I actually didn't tape this one. Alexa Grasso is, as, as Reese mentioned, she's a pretty well-rounded martial artist. Um, she's seen the who's who of, the, of women's MMA coming off of the Carla Esparza loss. I'm going to go Grasso by decision here. Grasso decision. I will also go Grasso by decision. Oh, wow. Did anyone fade? I took submission. Okay. So there's an opportunity to get some, some points. This one I also am going to elect that I take first here because this is ruthless. Robbie Lawler, my favorite UFC fighter of all time, fighting Neil Magny, one of my least, least favorite UFC fighters of all time. So this one's an exciting one. Robbie Lawler has had a rough go of it as of late. He comes into the massive dog. Don't care. Thanks. Robbie Lawler to win by KOTKO in the second round. Um, I'll follow that one up because I don't want to stop this Lawler hype train. Um, this is going to be a fun striking matchup. There's a lot of fun striking matchups on this card, but this one especially is a fight of the night um, pot potential contender. Lawler's coming. He's, he's a Sanford MMA guy with Henry Hooft, and Magny's an elevation fight team guy with Trevor Whitman. So it's an interesting coaching matchup. It should be a chess match at the highest level. Um, I'm going Lawler by decision, actually, but he's an absolute legend. I know he's coming off three straight losses, but if you break those down, the Askren one was bullshit. And yep. the other two, RDA and Colby Covington are killers. Magny is not Colby Covington. Magny is no. not RDA. Is, mm -hmm. is, is Neil Magny's most impressive win of his career Carlos Condit and an old Carlos Condit? Yes. I think Lawler can still kill, and I think he gets it done here. I think that that underdog price is, is really interesting. I was just going to say, go back and look at that Ponz and ABO fight. Him and Lawler are both known for their striking. That one ended in a KO in the fourth round. Uh, Magny lost that one. So there's 
definitely some similarities in those two uh, striking style. Uh, Shiner, go ahead. Yeah, I uh, saw Magni in his fight against Li Jingliang, um, UFC 248. Definitely looks really, really good. Uh, very interesting enough, Neil Magny holds the second most UFC welterweight victories uh, just behind GSP, and I believe he needs two more to take that record. So uh, props to him for, I believe, his 23rd UFC fight. With that being said, I'm riding the ruthless train. I'm also going by KO. I think this could be a really good fight. I like Magny a lot. I think he just runs into a guy who's been around the block, former champion, and he's going to get his lights taken out. This Robbie Lawler via Dude, knockout. The aggregators. Big decision for you guys. Oh, this We're is a all time on the dog. We're all on the dog, yeah. So I'm also going to go uh, with Robbie Lawler. I, I have been with Reese, I don't know how many times watching this fight, and I'm going off of, like, I just enjoy watching him so much just because I know Reese loves him a lot. So, yeah. granted, I kind of have a lot of, like, I have a lot of emotion behind that. But I'm going to go with the underdog and the ruthless Robbie Lawler. It has well. to be done. We're throwing fat on it, too, gentlemen. Lawler is just a guy that, uh, even though he's had a rough go of it late, he's just, he's ruthless for a reason. The man is an absolute, he'll bite the jugular off Magni if he has to. He's an absolute freak. Kobe, aggregator, you'll try to steal some points with the minus 280 favorite or what? It doesn't even feel like stealing. I, I, it's just given to me. Um, Parker's aggregating with emotion. I'm going to aggregate with Vegas. I'll take Magni by decision. And um, Last time you aggregated with You know the last time? That, yeah, you faded Reese. What happened on that one? I mean, Malort, I hate Malort. to just, like, belittle the Malort bet, but do we want to do that again? It's well, how hideous. about I, – I want Kobe to drink before I'm going to make it on a Malort bet. Like, you don't just get to make the bet and then not fucking man up on it. I agree. Yeah. Kobe, Kobe, next episode, it's Malort or pickle juice. And yeah, while we're ripping our, Kobe, while we're ripping Kobe, up. send me the fantasy football trophy. I think, I think you have to do pickle juice. Like, that's your punishment for not having the Malort. I know it's like your well, fault. It kind of is. You made the bet. Like – if this, this was like a, if this was like a gang. I, you know what? I'll live up to that. I'll do the pickle juice next episode. Pickle juice. It's an amazing. He hates pickle juice. We've all picked. Kobe's going to try to steal some points with Neil Magny like a sucker. We're going to all get the underdog points. Going into the light heavyweight main event, Anthony Lionheart Smith versus Alexander Rakich. Guys, this one's going to be an absolute banger. The over-under on this one's also worth checking. Who wants to take this one off uh, off the uh, the front? Aggregator, you hold back. Yeah, I'll take this one first. I think definitely very interesting fight, as we alluded to before. Anthony Smith coming off of a very grueling um, fight against Glover Teixeira, where he really got his ass kicked the last three and a half rounds. One that could have been thrown, uh, the towel could have been thrown in early. An interesting note to this one, uh, this is a three-round main event. Uh, this was originally scheduled to not be the main event, and they originally went off the bout agreement, so they are keeping this at three rounds. Rakic is a great striker, a guy who definitely uh, – tough L against Volkan Uzumir, split decision loss, but what a knockout, uh, head kick knockout over Jimmy Manua. And then a guy in Anthony Smith who's really kind of been on a tear the last couple of years. I know he's had a little bit of a um, uh, humbling experience with the John Jones fight, uh, this Glover fight, and then the, the Gustafson uh, win that he had as well. Um, I'm going to go with Anthony Smith in this one via decision. I like three rounds for Anthony. Um, I think he's technical enough and he has an ability to make it three rounds. Uh, five rounds where I get a little bit um, discouraged by him. Rakic is a great striker, but I think Anthony has enough tools in the toolkit to get this done via decision. So that is an underdog play there as well. 
Not a terrible, not a terrible under arm play at that. Good value there. I'm actually going to go the opposite. I'm going uh, Rakic by KOTKO. Um, I like Anthony Smith a lot. I, I I love his competitive nature. He's been a longtime journeyman. A lot, a lot of fights in the organization and even fought for a title recently. I just think that the next wave is coming and there's really nothing he can do about it. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm with Reese here. Um, I'm on Rakic by KO. Um, and, and my reasoning is I actually think almost the complete opposite of you, Shiner. I think that the three-round fight favors Rakic. Um, he's shown to come out super fast, super explosive with flying knees and just heavy strikes. And um, at least in his last fight, I think it was against Ozemir, the, which was another controversial split decision loss that I don't want to get into. But in the third round, he was showing a little bit signs of gassing. And that was one thing I was worried about. If it being a, when I taped, I thought it was a five round fight. I was worried about his gas tank, but not so much anymore. Um, I think Rakic is going to start out fast, hard, and I think he's going to end it not early, but I don't think this season's scorecards. One thing that I think is weird about Anthony Smith, or one thing to of concern, is how mentally there he is. I know you mentioned that he's had a recent skid. Um, he got absolutely destroyed at the um, in Jacksonville at the beginning of the quarantine, no fan ballots by Glover. And Just in the last three rounds, I mean, he looked good. He looked very, very good early on. Just totally gassed himself out and then got his ass kicked. Right, and and Gustafson, I know that a couple episodes ago. I talked about how I don't think that he's the as, as good as he gets credit for. Um, I'm, I'm very concerned about whether or not Anthony Smith wants to be here anymore. Obviously, he's no longer in title contention. He's got to win a few in a row to get back, and, and I'm worried about him. Yeah, Danny, I think that's a great point. I think one thing of note, uh, check out his interview with Ariel Hawani uh, last Thursday, I believe. And I think that really reinvigorated where I think he goes from here. Rakic is a guy who has not seen nearly the talent level and the competition level, nor the pre- high pressure of a main event, especially um, one in the quarantine as well. Um, so, yeah, maybe we have a little side bet on this one. I, I like Smith in this one, I think, uh, pretty good. But excited to hear what the aggregators think and as well as Reese. Well, Shiner, you're in uh, Chicago, Shy City, right? I am. I have three bottles of Malort on hand as we speak. So if if Danny's looking to 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 brawl on that one, it can be done. Danny has it in his in his possession. Aggregators, what are you thinking? Don't have a whole lot to add. I'll take Rakic by strikes. He's won two, or each of his last two wins have come by strikes. So I'm going to roll with that. I am also going to go Rakic by strikes. I got to fade Shiner because I want his. Yeah, ass. that's. No, I never made me accept the first three fights of the main card when you were right with me on those. And Kobe can look at that. I just happened to go last, but okay. (laughs) So, main event challenge is over. Up there. We, both Danny and I, will be posting our bets on uh, Twitter at Ankle Pick Pod. It's a little early in the week. We record these on Tuesday. So our editor can get them out. Our editor, P. Rios, can get them out. So we record these early. Our bets will be posted and tracked as always. Danny, we'll tag you in for some closing notes on Submission Underground. Yeah. um, I know we've talked a lot about what's going on Saturday, but if you're a combat sports fan and you have UFC Fight Pass Sunday, there's Submission Underground 17. It's the rematch of Craig Jones versus Mason Fowler. I know I mentioned that that was 
last time. It was a controversial verbal tap that was pretty ridiculous. And I, I see Craig Jones taking this one. And then also included on that night, it's some fun guys. Richie Martinez, who's a 10th Planet um, pillar. He's a, he's a good friend of Eddie Bravo. He's a black belt and a coach there. Um, and then also Roberto Jimenez, who's a Diaz brother um, training partner. He's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, but has been absolutely scorching these black belts week after week or month after month on these submission underground cards. It should be an exciting, uh, exciting night overall. I agree. I'm, I'm excited. I'll probably tune in as well. I usually like those. So also looking ahead to this week, we've all talked on uh, tapping in on a couple prelim fights that we wanted to touch on. We all have some good ones. Danny, I'm going to go to you first because yours is actually the one leading off the prelim fight. You wanted to look into at Sean Brady versus Christian Aguilera. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you want to start off your night with some excitement, look for the <laughs> prospect, Sean Brady. Um, he's a Henzo Gracie product. Daniel Gracie, a direct resident, is actually one of his cornermen uh, and his head coach. He's, he's great takedowns, and he's no slouch on the feet. He has some heavy hands. Um He's a really fun prospect to watch. And um, Aguilera is a guy who got his last win by a quick KO against Anthony Ivey, who's a guy who I don't think is nearly the caliber of fighter on the feet that Sean Brady is. I think that Brady with the slight height and Reese advan or reach advantage, um, I know that Reese, you like the bigger fighters. Sean, Sean yeah. Brady a, is a fun, fun fighter to look at and a fun guy going forward. Yeah, I, I'm really glad you touched on that one. That one's an important one. Next one, moving our way up the list. Shiner wanted to talk about Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres versus Yes. Well, yeah. thank you for taking that one, Reese. I believe maybe my favorite nickname in the entire UFC, Alex <laughs> Bruce Leroy Caceres, uh, coming in with the fro looking like stretch from NBA uh, Street Volume 2. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, definitely interesting fight. Giga Chikadze, definitely the favorite, definitely a guy that most of the MMA community is riding hard on this one. But I don't know if I'm going to bet this yet, but I like Caceres with some value. Coming off two wins, a uh, big win over Chase Hooper, albeit where you see he's at, where he's at in terms of his UFC career. But Alex Caceres, a guy who's been in there with Max Holloway, Sergio Pettis, a bunch of big names. That could be a, a, a pick to click there. Yeah, I think he's even in the UFC still because of his fandom. He's a fun guy, great personality, but 16 and 12 definitely doesn't jump off the page. But his experience is something that you can't overlook. And that's what really got it done against Hooper. And I think you can look forward to seeing him being – he's been in the ring so many times. He really knows where and how to win fights. We're I would actually rush, rush to your book right now and try and place Alex Caceres because for our first breaking news of the podcast, Giga Chikadze is withdrawing from the fight. And Alex Caceres will now face Kevin Kroom. Uh, Kroom will be making his UFC debut. He's nicknamed the hard-hitting hillbilly. Um, oh, my God. That actually breaking my news, like... That's breaking news. Breaking news. My favorite nickname wow. in the UFC might have just gotten taken over by the opponent of the guy who I liked first. Wow. That's hard-hitting hillbilly. Wow. That's unbelievable. Also, for those of you running to your books... There's no way. I am right, right now. Right. <laughs> I'm running to it right now. Even for those of us live, that book is yeah. that bet is off the books. Straight up, no, my technology screen like changed, and I was like, "What the hell just happened?" Well, that was LineTracker365.com. Still got Alex Caceres in that one. Curious to see what I. I'm no, Alex Caceres is still there. Giga's out. 
Yeah, yeah it still says that. Giga on my book, oh, so okay. maybe a little arbitrage for Finance 101 of the week. But. Oh, mine, yeah, Kevin Kroom, my sure dog changed as well. 20 and 12, the hard-hitting hillbilly. This guy looks like an absolute psychopath. So we'll see the line on that one. That would be exciting. The one I want to touch on is my, other than the established Roddy Lawler, one of my favorite guys, Impa Kasanganai, guy who has very little experience but is as hardworking as they come, as tough as they come, as strong as they come. Excited to see how he'll advance through the UFC as he gains more experience. Um, so that one's one that I'm, I'm not necessarily betting. I'm just really excited to watch. The one bet, though, that I do actually really want to specify because it's a max play for me, five units. I think if you can get Mallory Martin under 300, uh, minus 300, I, 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 that's worth the lay at risk, 500 um, or five units, whatever your unit size is. That'll, that should, I, I imagine, will probably cash pretty easily. So I'm excited for that one. Yeah, touching um, on that Impa fight. Yeah. Um, I, I know we saw him just a couple of weeks ago in that con- contender series win. Yeah. But to me, he lost that first round, and that was a little bit of a comeback. He's as raw as it gets. Um, but the line is really interesting. Maki Patolo is a guy who's got a big, big experience edge here. He's uh, Yeah. He's a much more well-rounded guy, and right now I've, I'm seeing on uh, Best Fight Odds, he's a, a slight dog, and that really surprises me. I know that Impa is raw, powerful, and he's got all the tools to become a prospect and a real contender, but this is a really surprising line. Danny, I actually agree with you. I was really looking forward to that fight, but another bet that from what I've kind of seen already, I actually think I'm going to be on Patolo just because of the experience. I just love Impa. He's a guy that – I'm super excited to see, but he's 26 years old, as raw as they come. Um, but he's definitely got like a very, very bright future. When he's 30, 31, 32, I'd love to see where he's ranked. But for now, Patolo definitely could be one of those blemishes on his record. I'm mm-hmm. with you. So that's it for us tonight, guys. We touched on a lot. A little bit of, we were kind of all over the place. A little bit of being thrown back and forth. We were happy to have Shiner back on the podcast. Surprise, surprise. The pod is back. Thanks for the Shiner Ground, and we will get back to you guys next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.